This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Megan Jones and Morgan McGuire, two of the leaders of The Shelter, the theater company that I've been a part of for the last few years and have featured several people on this podcast, including Mike Kingsbaker, Kate Courtleo, Greg Emita, uh, Cam Darwin, who successfully funded Third Wing and launched that. And just a shout out to Third Wing. That is a online slash live performance platform. Uh, it was created to find a way to bridge the gap between online and streaming content and theater. And so with everything going on in the world, uh, it came, it's happening kind of at the right time where we're all kind of figuring that out. And the shelter is figuring that out. I was actually going to release this episode a few weeks ago. Um, I was going to release it the very week that everything kind of hit the fan in New York. We are going to start up again with the shelter Sunday workshop that we have every Sunday. And we were on a bit of a hiatus from the holidays for that. And we were going to start doing that again. And then the city started shutting down. Broadway shut down. And so, yeah, when Broadway shut down and all the theaters in New York shut down, um, yeah, it affected all of us here. My bar job, um, everything. Everything took a hit. We adjusted. So now the shelter is doing a lot of things virtually, as are a lot of different organizations and artists around the world. Shelter is doing that. So check the show notes for the links if you want to find out and get involved you can get involved virtually and we'd love to see you there we'd love to hear what you're doing and collaborate with you uh, both Megan and Morgan are both phenomenal actors and writers and just wonderful intelligent people um, it was a pleasure to sit down and talk with them I've been holding on to this one for a while so I hope you enjoy it and I hope that you get inspired to reach out to artistic communities if that's your thing. Uh, build the community if it's not there. And create, create things. We need your voice. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to these two wonderful voices. Morgan McGuire and Megan Jones from The Shelter. Let's have a conversation. For real this time. Here we are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. We're here. Megan Jones, Morgan yeah. McGuire. There we go. How's it going? All right. Good. 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 Yeah. yeah. Wednesday morning. It's Wednesday, right? I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I don't know anymore either. It is uh, 2019 and the year of our founding fathers. In <laughs> <laughs> right. the year of... Whomever you yeah. base your years upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is the end of a decade. So I guess we could start kind of there. Um, yeah. That kind of goes into also, um, it was a 10-year milestone this year for Shelter Theater Company. Yeah. Um, it's coming up on 11, I guess. Um, yeah. It's coming here, but yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about the year in review. I didn't know we were going to do that, but I think that sounds, um, you can take it away. Right. Am I talking about, am I talking about the theater company? We could start there. We can, 
we can do. I mean, no, I mean, I mean, I, I just, I didn't know if you wanted like the year in review. For yeah, like what? I think let's start there. Why? Yeah, I think that yeah. that makes sense since the Great. two of you are here. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure there are many threads that tie the two of you together, but just that's friendship. a thread that ties the three of us. Yeah, right. Just friendship. Just friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Friendship and beyond and beyond and beyond. Yeah, I mean, it's super exciting, you know? Uh, We have a theater company. It's called The Shelter. It's true. And we are a, you know, place for artists to come and work and practice their craft. And this year marked 10 years of, like, downtown. Well, I guess we're... Chelsea, whatever. Um, we work downtown. That's a lot. downtown, right? Though. Is it downtown? Does Chelsea I think it's. Downtown? I think anything south of like Forty Second is technically cool. Downtown. Because feeling downtown just makes me feel cooler. <laughs> it makes me feel like like I'm in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of working and supporting artists mm-hmm. and making great work, making theater. You know, we've produced. Many, 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 many plays and many, many playwrights, either in full-length form or short form. Edward Albee once said that there's every play is full-length and there's long and short plays. Um, and I just, I always think about that every time I say full-length play. I think mm, Edward Albee would probably just like get a little rankled at that if you're a person who cares about what Edward Albee would say. I mean, that might be the only thing I agree with Edward Albee on. <laughs> so we'll just I know, we'll give there. him that. We'll give him that. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway though, yeah, you know, so, um, I think 10 years is a big deal. It was a big deal to make it 10 years, you know, uh, and all still be alive (laughs) and not like hating each other's guts. Um, and you know, still like working to help artists get better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a big, it was a big year and we, had a big celebration and big had a big theater party with new work and yep you know it was a good time yeah right it was super fun yeah and yeah. so um, one of the cornerstones of shelter has been the Sunday night workshop um, and then we just celebrated the holiday mm-hmm. like yeah. kind of the end of the year um, this past Sunday people might be listening to this in January I don't know. <laughs> um, I would guess that, but yes, um, yeah, that makes sense, and that that'll work. Uh, Unless do you want to do a Christmas episode, we could make this a Christmas episode. <laughs> I will sing. Um, what will I sing? I don't know. What's your favorite Christmas? I song? don't. I don't know. We could. We could. You know, have yourself a merry little Christmas is a great one. Oh, that one's. Really you know. Good. You right. know. So maybe also it's you're end. from. That's from Mimi. Isn't that what? When, which one is that from? Oh, is it not Karen Carpenter? No, because Judy Garland sang it. And I think it's from Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh, I think it is. I think 100% it's from, because White Christmas is the other one. I think it's from that one for sure. Anyway, but yes, people will be listening to this in January. (laughs) Um, But I was going to say, because we're, it's going to come back in February. Yeah, that's right. The regular Sunday workshop. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's been a lot of uh, changes and, yeah. Talks happening um, kind of about what shelter is, uh, yeah. what shelter wants to be going forward. Um, mm-hmm. So I was wondering if we could talk about that a little bit. And I know it's still, um, those discussions are still happening, but I guess just kind of what should people, I mean, I know people listening, maybe if they are 
theater artists or aspiring theater artists, writers, whatever, um, and interested in getting involved, they could come check out the Sunday workshop starting in February, but just kind of, yeah, I, I think, you know, um, in February we're looking to build a safe, um, supportive professional space Mm -hmm. in which people can come and, uh, really work on, um, on sort of their craft and hopefully in that safe professional space, uh, they can start to flourish as artists. And so I think those are probably the two main, um, uh, kind of focuses of the work that's going on behind the scenes is creating a safe room, but also simultaneously a very professional room Mm -hmm. and, um, and really kind of like, uh, hoping that those two things can like come together and really create a space where, um, people are learning and growing from each other in, um, in their professions, um, in their crafts. And that's kind of exciting to us. Yeah. 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 I think we're, you know, it was really neat doing the 10 year anniversary Mm -hmm. because for a long time, you know, just been a handful of us running the shelter. And then when we did the 10 year anniversary show, uh, in spring of 2019, mm-hmm. yeah. we kind of said, Hey, anybody want to help do that? And a bunch of people showed up. Yeah. You were one of them. You were one of them, you know? So, um, we had people on board to do that show and to help it go. Yeah. And then I think we were like, you know, this feels great. So if all of you all want to stick around and keep running the shelter, we've been doing this for 10 years And it's time to get new perspectives and new points of view and just even, you know, shake up the structure of the organization so that it can flourish itself and become more professional Mm -hmm. and become an even safer space for people. So I think that by, by kind of like renovating the team and bringing on new voices, uh, on an executive level mm-hmm. that then is kind of going to infuse what happens in February because we'll have all of these new, like really talented, yeah. really exciting people running the company Yeah. Um, to then, I don't know, just help make it a safe, inclusive, professional environment where people can come. And I think it'll be a nice place where working actors and working writers mm-hmm. can meet and their crafts can dovetail yes. and working actors can help galvanize working writers by supporting new works yeah. and working writers can help working yeah. actors by giving them things to work on. And I think it's going to be a really exciting place for artists to meet and yeah. just, you know, who are already great, just get even more great. Yeah. Um, so here's a question. Because I know, like talking with Mike sometimes about, I guess the question is, who's it for? Uh, mm-hmm. Meaning, like, uh, is it is shelter open for beginners? That's a great question. That's an excellent <laughs> question, Alec. I think, yes. I think when you say professional space, like, you can be at the beginning of your professional career. Um, but the idea is that we're there to work, mm-hmm. um, and that like, it's a workspace and, um, and you know, like I, I have a really awesome hobby. I love it. I have a circus hobby. <laughs> it's my favorite thing I've right now. I've seen you do it. It's really exciting. Um, I am like on, I like, um, uh, God, I like probably like on a great week. 
I'm like training on some circus apparatus, like 12 to 15 hours a week. It's my favorite thing. It in no way (laughs) is currently a um, professional thing for me, nor do I say it's a professional thing, nor do I um, attempt to like make it a professional thing. And I do know circus professionals, right? Where they make money at this and that's what they do and they're great on silks and I have no um, capacity to do that. And the rooms that they're in, I'm not invited into in some regards. And so I think like, and if I change that into a professional thing, right. And I would then go like look at different spaces that I could be invited into, but like, because it's a hobby, I stay in certain spaces. And I think like that is, it's a professional room. Like if you consider this your profession, if, and that means very different things in the theater, right? Like it means a myriad of things, um, because this profession is weird. And, um, so it's not about how much money you make at it or whatever, but like, really, do you consider this your vocation? And I think it's really a room for people who consider, um, theater a vocation, Mm -hmm. um, in many respects or write or write. I mean, yes, there are filmmakers in there and stuff like that, but like writing the dramatic arts, a vocation of sorts. And so like, I use that as an example because like I do a lot of circus, um, and nobody's going to pay me for it. Uh, (laughs) Nobody's paying me to do theater either. (laughs) 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 But like, I'm not even trying to get paid for it in some regards. So it is that moment of like, if, and theater can be a hobby and that's really cool. But like for most of the people who walk into our space, it's not a hobby and like, wanting to honor that space for them, I think is super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also because we're there to work with each other and help each other, but none of us are teachers, you know, in that classical sense where there is a teacher in the room and we're all just there giving of what we have. And that's super exciting. Um, And the room gets really thrilling when everybody brings their own experience, whatever that experience might be, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that it is, um, like Morgan said, I think you can be at the beginning of your professional career, um, but it's a it's a space where I think we're all bringing what we have in order mm-hmm. to continue that pursuit yeah. of a professional career in, in yeah. the dramatic arts. However that works out for you. Right, right. right. Like, you know, whatever that looks like. Whatever it looks like. It looks like a lot of different yeah. things. It's a weird industry. Right. But, you know, I mean, it's interesting because I think that um, – you know, we have people show up, let's say, who are just directors, mm-hmm. and there's not necessarily a lot for them to do in the room unless they really want to take initiative and rehearse outside, right? Yeah. you know, or bring in some exercise where actors can kind of get into it and just be cold because they want to try this thing that they might want to do in the future or something. But what's super valuable about having directors in the room is that they give amazing feedback. Mm-hmm. And so when people are working on, let's say sides for an audition that they're about to put on camera and you have a film director in the room they're watching and then they get to give great feedback because in theory they're the ones watching this tape you know so I would say that while you know it's for people pursuing a professional career it doesn't just limit it necessarily to acting and writing and there's value beyond that because we all bring in these experiences and so having people like directors in the space or even producers or just anything like that creates a really exciting and vibrant place to work with really 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 good feedback and we all get better because of it well it also creates relationship right and Mm -hmm. it also creates the ability to like you know hone the idea of like what does it mean to give a note 
how do you give a note and as um, and what are the most effective ways to do that and as a director that's an exceptional skill right if you end up doing it well if you're exceptional at it it's a great thing to have and I think like those like it's kind of um it's a place in which like relationship does the quote-unquote teaching if if that is the um if that is and if there's learning happening um but I think like um but yeah it's you know I think and I think everyone in the room benefits from that uh, whether no matter their discipline um but yeah because uh like I asked the question because especially over the last year like I've been inviting a lot of people um and this year has kind of been uh the yes year for me like just yeah. say yes to everything um towards the end of the year I realized like there were certain things that I said yes to that I was like all right. Um, oh. I still like the idea of saying yes to everything, but not everything. Right. Um, but that's and, how you learn. Yeah. yeah right. um, and it's also like that was kind of the the year. Um, right. And yeah. but then thinking about when I'm in places with other actors, like like this year, I've worked with a lot of younger actors. Yeah. Also, like I've been the the dad on Aww. in the crew or whatever. Um, and you give good dad vibe. <laughs> and so sometimes like running into these actors who remind me of me when yeah. I moved to New York, um, kind of looking for home, looking for, Oh, how do I find community? And so I'll invite people and it's different. Yeah. People are on different levels and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, lately I've been asking the question like, hmm, maybe I should just, who should I open that up to? But I think the observation that I've had with shelter is that first of all, like I've invited a lot of people, a lot of people don't show up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I feel like there's kind of a self selection thing that happens. Um, some people do go, um, and sometimes it's intimidating. There's some super talented, serious people in that room and so some people go and kind of are like oh I don't know and then there are people who are like show up and decide to keep showing up and be uncomfortable and grow you know mm -hmm. so I kind of and that's like over time like yeah. there's always sometimes there's interesting things in the room but um <laughs> oh, yeah but you know like in yeah. general I feel like um it's interesting now um being somewhat consistent going there for like a couple of years and seeing kind of the, it kind of feels like the same core group of people um, who've been there since like I started going and then there's like new people also and it just kind of happens organically. So. Yeah. I think the room cycles. Um, yeah. Uh, when, which is something um that I think, you know, like what, I was on staff for six years, mm -hmm. six years. I was on staff for six years at the shelter, and then I took a year and a half break. Um, uh, and I would say in that, in that six years, we probably had two core groups of people that kind of like switched over, and now yeah. we're kind of on to our third. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and so the room shifts because it's a room that people go to if they need it. 
So people's right. needs change. Um, but yeah, there is definitely, we're on a core group of people now and I'm assume that core group of people will change. Like I probably won't be in that core group of people in the, like, I mean, you know, like as, um, as life shifts and, and, uh, and, you know, depending on where work and life takes us. And so like, I think that that is, um, that's kind of the nice thing about the room is like, you can come in five years later and it's mostly different. Um, uh, but also it's mostly different. There mm-hmm. are usually some people where you're like, oh yeah. Okay. But, um, but yeah. And I think the idea of like, who the, I think the room, especially in the work, tries to meet people where they're at. But there is a level of, like, um, the room is to work. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, the work is the most important part. So, like, that can be intimidating, right? And so, like, it is, like, I think in the work, the room tries to meet people where they're at. Because the room does strive to um, to be supportive to make the work better. Um, that the work is forward moving, um, and that people are forward moving in the work. And I think that that is, um, the goal of the room. And so I think the room tries to meet people where they're at and then hopefully go along that journey with them wherever the work is. But, um, but it is about the work. And so that can become intimidating. And the work isn't, uh, this is where I think it's just like a aha and like where it's different from a class Yeah, is that the work is not a place to do the monologue that you picked at the last minute. Um, because, you procrastinated on doing your homework. Like if you don't actually have work that you're bringing in, then it's best to like go and listen and be available yeah. to support. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause it's a place to come when you're ready to actually do a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I feel like that's such a thing too, because, um, that you learn along the way. I think especially even with writing, um, there's a, time to show your writing to a room full of people um and it's depending on who you are and uh it 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 draft number doesn't matter but it's also when you're ready for feedback like we have some people in the room that I'm like you're never going to see their draft zero because draft zero is not where they're ready for feedback and um and some people maybe draft zero they need feedback because that's where um but you do I think in writing get to a place where like draft zero is not a thing you want feedback on and so like you're getting feedback on something that's a little bit later and that's when you're ready to work and I always um I always find that interesting when writers hit that place I'm always like huh you're there (laughs) um it's such a weird thing where it's like oh because suddenly like when you need professional feedback is usually not when the idea is percolating and, um, and as a writer, like as a new writer, sometimes you need feedback when the idea is percolating because you need encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you move along, that's for a lot of people, and this is not everyone, but for a lot of people, that's treacly and annoying. Um, cause like, I know what my style is. I know how to work. Like, I don't need you to give me encouragement on that thing because like, yeah, yeah, I know I do that well. Um, eventually we're going to get to a place where I'm stuck and that's where I need encouragement and that's where I need whatever. And, um, that is a different place. And usually people get to that place and, um, 
and and you usually start to know that place and feel it for yourself of like oh this is where I need feedback because like you can be the type of writer who just needs to hear stuff out loud and that might be at draft zero and you don't need feedback because like it's not going to be functional or it's going to be annoying because you're like I don't I don't need to hear what I do well whatever um because you already know that about yourself. And um, I'm always excited when I see writers get to that place in their writing trajectory where they're just like, no, this is the space at which I need feedback. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think even with acting too, you know, it's a place to come and work on most, like a lot of times auditions or yeah. monologues to have in your back pocket mm-hmm. when you have an audition. So it's not like a class where you're, given a scene and you have a lot of time to work or, yeah. you know, you have to do homework on it or you have somebody keeping tabs on you. You paid money, so you probably should do it. Yeah. It's free. The shelter's free. Yeah. It's up to you to do the work. So normally if someone comes in, you know, like with a page in hand reading off a piece of paper, it's like, well, we can only help you so much because the work isn't ready yeah for us to do anything with. And normally our advice is go home, get off book, and then we'll really dig in there because this is for you. This is your time to come and get this monologue so great that you can just wake up and go to your EPA and know that you have five monologues to choose from. Um, But it's really, you kind of have to be self-motivated and I think Mm -hmm. that that's the exciting thing. You know, I think when people come in, you know, bringing a new monologue every week because they're just really driven to challenge themselves. Then that inspires me to then be like, oh, I got to, I got to up my monologue game. Yeah. Oh my God. I got to really start doing this more. And then you see people who are actors bringing in lots of monologues and it's so fun. And we're all there making our monologues so much better. And we all come from different training backgrounds and, you know, so everybody's getting little different bits of feedback to put, to put into their grab bag. And that's really exciting. Or when you see writers showing up and it's like, you know, we're, we haven't commissioned plays from people. This room is for you. Yeah. So it's up to you to bring in your 10 pages a week and get them heard when you're ready to have them heard. And then you see people writing week after week. And then it's like, Oh God, I got to start writing stuff. And and then it becomes super exciting because that's how the room starts crossing over, you know, where actors become writers and writers become actors because you just see people really just working for themselves because they, they didn't pay money. They didn't get a grant they aren't commissioned. They aren't cast. It's a place where you have to come to make yourself better. And then just everybody starts up-leveling. It's really, really exciting. Those things help, though. No, not for that, sure. They for don't sure. happen in that room, yeah. but they help. They help. I'm not going right. to, I'm not, I'm never going to dog a commission. No, I mean, I'm <laughs> no, not No, no, I know you're not. You I know, just am like. Don't ever try to get a commission. Just come into my free room with your 10 pages every week. No, no, no. do that, but also go get your commission. Go get and your save commission. one for me. Yes. And toss I was it, like. Toss it my little I was away. like, let's, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm never going to dog a commission, but that's not that room. And it will teach you to work your commission in a way that like. Mm-hmm. probably um, will help you. I mean, I think it taught me to work my commissions. Like, I think, like, I could write I, – I had to write a play in 13 days for a commission, and I could do that. Like, I had to write a full-length play um, in 13 days. Long play. Yeah, long play <laughs> in 13 days. And I could do that because I had been disciplined about um, writing um, – and I can still do that. Um, 
if I need to, um, because I had learned to be disciplined about writing. I'm a little more, um, uh, free form and percolating about my personal projects now, I think because I've been so, um, uh, because I, you know, because once, once you start writing the other way, it's like, oh, well, I got to do the thing and da, 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 da. And then your free form projects are like, you're like, but I want to take my time with it and get in the boat. And like, you know, I don't know. Um, but I do think that it's like, it will teach you how to do the other thing so that when it happens for you, you're prepared. Um, and uh, because that's actually like the other thing can be really hard. I think, um, but I think you just experienced that too of like writing to a deadline for dollars. And like, I think probably you were able in some ways to do it too, because the way the room functions taught you how to do that. Yeah. And I think like, that's a great thing for early career artists because I don't know any other room that super teaches you that just yeah. on your own. That's uh, probably on like the, who's it for? That's who I like strongly recommend to is people like, especially like the writer slash actor. Yeah or the actor that wants to develop their own material. Um, like, why wouldn't you come to this? Yeah. Like this great resource, great community. Um, and I think, yeah, like you were saying, like just actors that show up over time, um, because you see people bringing in pages regularly, it demystifies the writing process. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's about, consistently bringing pages in and revising and just doing it. Um, yeah. that's, it's really not a mystical thing at all. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes things are inspired and write themselves in a, I don't want to say that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. just like some roles you kind of take too easier. Um, and I think another thing that's encouraging about shelter is, I think the room cycles for a good reason mm -hmm. um, because people get as a result of working on your craft, people end up making things. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh my God. My favorite thing is things. when, you know, I, I feel like I'm like Ben Affleck and Goodwill hunting, you know, like I don't ever want to see you again because I, I, because I'll know. I don't know if that's the right example. Maybe. I don't remember exactly <laughs> right? He goes, right. He goes, he and he's does. happy. I mean, yeah, right. he is happy. He, he go, right, I he's got to go see about a girl. I mean, we, uh, I think we want them to come back, though. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> I feel excited because yes. I want to knock on your door and not find you there because well, yes. you've gone out to like get your Work. thing, yeah. and um, and that is what's great is that the room cycles because people go and work. And then, you know, we're always there. Yeah. We're always there. So like you got to go to LA for a couple of years because that's yes. where your life takes you. And that's great. And then because that's the way life works, it brings you back to New York where now your new thing is. And we're just still here. We've yeah. been here for 10 years and people come and go. And it yeah. always, you know, it, it always seems to... I don't know, kind of work itself out. And it always seems to cycle into these new things that uh, help the company get better and learn new things about what it is, uh, mm -hmm. as well as the artists involved with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about you two artists um, and kind of what, yeah, your backstories a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And 
when we do that, um, if you can, just so that people listening are clear, like Megan, just say your name again oh, real yeah, quick yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I sh- probably should have introduced your voices and the, whatever. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. People can be confused. Yeah. Should I start <laughs> talking in like a Cockney accent? I think that would be really great. <laughs> good. I learned my Cockney from Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. So That's I'm, a ve- good. I'm very good. You are very good. I'm, you are very yeah. good. Um, it's no. very good. I can Dick attest. Van Dyke is still kicking. Too, no, I know. Like, like literally. Like, I want to be, yeah. yeah he can <laughs> I mean, still dance. He's, he's, like he's still just something? dancing. I yeah. know. I know. I want to be Dick Van Dyke when I grow up. Yeah. Um, if possible. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so this is Megan. Megan's the one that's been talking about Dick Van Dyke. Um, <laughs> and Mary Poppins, which is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I am an actor and a playwright, uh, and um, I came to New York City to be an actor. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and learned from the best um, and had a great time at acting school and felt really prepared in terms of an actor, um, less prepared in terms of how to be a working actor um (laughs) and so then I started beating the mean streets of New York City and uh that led me to loneliness which led me to scene study because I think that when you're just trying to be an actor and you have nothing else but auditioning of career mm -hmm. right just auditioning and auditioning and chasing after agents calling agents finding managers getting headshots whatever um it's just a dram and so after you know working in New York but also feeling like the struggle of being a working actor the career part of working was very lonely I went to scene study at the Terry Shriver studio um which was great uh and I felt like it even furthered my craft I learned things I didn't know but the main thing was that I just met other working actors and um, it was so nice to hear people going through the same things as me or different things as me that maybe I would go through one day or had already been through and I could be like, oh God, that happened to me. Um, And the community at the Terry Schreiber studio was so strong. And while I was in class there um, with Sally Dunn, who is an amazing acting teacher, I met people. And um, we started a theater company together when Sally stopped teaching. Um, uh, me, Mike, Dave, and Emily, um, and Kitty, and there was for a, a short while a guy named Matt. He went to California. It's fine. Um, <laughs> we were we were like, uh, let's. I don't know. Just how how do we make work for ourselves so that when the going gets rough we've got something. And I think it was Mike that um, had the idea to, he, he had been out in LA where there was a thing called the Actors Gym and uh, he wanted to do something here in New York that was similar as a place where actors could just come and work. And um, so instead of having a theater company that served us as actors looking for the perfect play that we could self-produce, we veered more towards the uh, workshop part of it all and came to the name shelter and made this space and um most of the people in the room started as actors and then 
we were given theater space and we're like, oh, I guess we should write something because we've got this free theater for a night. What are we going to do with it? Um, and that was given to us by Gail at the Jean Frankel. We just split the door and had a weekend to do something. And then people discovered that in addition to acting, they really loved writing. And then the room sort of evolved into a space for writers and actors and then anybody who needed to work on their craft. And um, that's kind of how the shelter came to be. And I eventually grew to be the artistic director of the shelter. And then, um, you know, I'm now just a member of the staff. Um, And that's sort of the shelter side of things. And then as an individual artist, I just am still an actor and do whatever will pay me within my moral compass. Um, and, uh, and I still write and, um, you know, and kind of live up, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, a professional New York career. Dang it. Uh, sometimes it's easy to forget because I, you know, don't have things to necessarily say to my friends, you know, back home. I'm from Missouri. You know, when people are like, what are you in? And I'm like, okay, um, right, it's complicated. I'm um, in a handful of commercials, which you may or may not have seen. Um, I have been in myriad downtown New York theatrical productions, which guaranteed you have not heard about. Um, I make my own work. I write a play. I've been in, you know, feature films that went to film festivals, whatever. Um, you know, and that's what I think it means to be a working New York artist in a lot of respects. You know, you have your fingers in lots of different pies and you're doing a lot and it's easy to forget that that actually is a professional career here. And it doesn't have to be like, I am a series regular or I'm a movie star or I'm on Broadway. But I think that it's also easy to feel like you're not valid if you don't have those things but we super super are because we're kind of what keeps the artistic landscape of New York running um and maybe I'm just giving myself this pep talk moving into 2020 no yeah that's a gig it's a gig industry right it's all gigs even if you're that series regular it's a gig that will end um and I think everybody is just like moving from one gig to the next like having regular work is like a luxury because it's not. And even if you have regular work for a long time, usually that then ends with a period where you don't have regular work for a long time because there's a palette cleansing space, right? Like you're a personality, you're an image of what people have of you. So it's, I think that's the, the term, the, that's the lifestyle. It's a gig. Mm Mm-hmm that ends um i speaking of like years and like ends of the years or you know Mm. uh decades (laughs) i went to my uh 20 year high school reunion this summer and i've been in new york 11 like 11 gonna be 12 this year and i didn't go to my 10 year because i felt like i hadn't accomplished enough Uh um and then you know, like veered off from acting for a while, like was doing like at one point just managing a bar. I guess I still had my band, but like really was going down a different path. And then the last few years and shelter's been like a home for me. So I'm super grateful. Um, But 
I did go to my 20 this year because I realized kind of a similar thing. Um, and I realized it at some weddings over the last 10 years where I'd run into people. And for them, even though, no, I'm not a series regular, no, I'm not a movie star. For them, I'm st- I am that dude that went to New York and is still here. And to them, I'm, I am doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. it's such a different, we get caught up sometimes in uh, where we think we should be. Right. Um, and like kind of embarrassed about talking to people back home about yeah. like their expectations. But most of the time I'm finding like those people are rooting for you and are proud right. of you for where you are and for still going after it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you saying that actually makes me think about the side hustle mm-hmm. because there are so many great artists in the city mm-hmm. and a lot of people have still have to have a side hustle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's some that are legit that we view as like, Oh, but you're still making it. Like if you're a teacher, if you're teaching at a university or you're, you're doing mm-hmm. something like that, then it's like, Oh, I'm a writer and a teacher. So somehow you still live in this like upper echelon, but teaching is still your side hustle. Yeah. You know? And I think that like, it's hard to live a life where you don't have that little extra thing as an artist. Well, you can't make it. I mean, the way in which the industry is structured, like how many percentage points do you have to give away to even get the play developed to a place where you can have it produced, which means that once it's produced, like how much money are you actually making on it? Um, Because so much of your like paycheck is actually going to development houses um, who developed your play because they require like two to three percent of it. Which is crazy. Um, and so, like, you, how can, and like, you know, our revered playwrights right now, like, that we're just like, oh, you know, they're all running major, like, MFA programs at universities. Right. Like, that's what they're doing. And, um, and, you know, like, I was thinking about Annie Baker, how many years after she won the Pulitzer? Because the thing is only $10,000. Um, how, what it the heck? Be more. Um, it, you know, she quit her day job. Right. Like, what? And then she quit her day job, I think, and then went and started, that's when she started working at Hunter, which right. is the other day job, if you will. And, um, and like, maybe it's not like a day job. Maybe these people really believe in teaching. And I'm not saying that like, cause teaching is great, but you still have to be able to make money and, and writing plays does not make you money, which is right. why other people are writing television. Like some people view writing for television as their day job. It's a whole like, because there's the theater isn't to make money, that's for sure. And the and also speaking of that, like in the whole concept of like the side hustle, um, yeah. the economy right now, most people have to like yeah. like there's whole right there's a whole side hustle movement because a lot of people are needing like first of all a lot of careers are. Uh, <laughs> not careers like a lot of <laughs> a lot of jobs like we're talking in tech we're talking in um right. 100% well a lot of things have just disappeared like you know those those factory jobs are, they're not coming back first yeah. of all yeah. um but like um in tech and in business the career for a lot of things I, like I keep saying career I'm looking for a better term of it like the lifespan i guess of like a job for a lot of people is like 1 to 3 years yeah um, so a lot of people now are having to like 
have multiple careers and so yeah developing side hustles is kind of like the thing across the board I feel like everybody needs that side Mm -hmm. hustle until they like like win a MacArthur Genius Award and then you don't need a side hustle because they just gave you 600k to do whatever you want with it which means you could also just live your life (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like that's where like it's like everyone needs the side hustle until that stuff starts happening to you and when that happens to you right who knows but like and that's like a one in a million that thing so like who actually knows yeah i feel like it's easy when you're in a place like new york you know where you like you can forget that you're a working professional artist because it feels like but my my living doesn't necessarily come all the time from being a working professional artist and it's easy to then Maybe it's easy for me. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to speak to the rest of the people out there. But moving into 2020, I'm going to do some work on like validating the fact that I'm a working mm-hmm. New York artist, yeah. even though my taxes don't necessarily reflect that. Um, and, you know, I think my resume certainly does, you know, and I feel really proud of what I do um, and have been doing it for a long damn time in the city and businesses can take a long time to right. build. Like, right. You know, if it's your personal brand or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. I'm just going to say if you did one, I'm, I'm going to validate you. Right I know now. Morgan's doing math on if her calculator did, right now. It's her calculator in her phone. She doesn't just keep a calculator, I like mean, a Texas instrument in her pocket. Could you imagine if I had like a TI 89 no, just know. in you my pocket? Be, I would love that. You'd be amazing. I wish I could graph this. If you just did a 29 an hour reading a week that paid you not necessarily a living wage, but like, what is that? if it if it paid you like 10 bucks an hour if you did that a week which wouldn't be taxable right right so that wouldn't be taxable because it would be below the threshold on which you would need to be taxed on individual projects you'd still be making like between 15 and 16 thousand dollars so like that which is a sizable chunk of money you know, over the course of a year. So it can feel like, I feel like for a lot of New York artists, because that's the realm sometimes that you're working in, whether or not, like there aren't that, there aren't that many off-Broadway plays, like seasons are only so much, seasons are small. And so like you can lose track of how much money you've actually made in general and that you're actually, and you can lose track of what working looks like because you're actually, and not to say that you need to make money on every, you should, people should pay you. But, um, but at the same time, like we lose track of how many projects we actually do. We lose track of like, because sure your taxes aren't reflective of that, but what's taxable and what da, da, da. And so like at the end of the day, like a lot of people, so if ever you need to do that math for yourself, just do it. Oh, thanks. Cause I find it super validating. Right, so but it, money doesn't have to validate your career, but also people should be paying you money right, when you get, read things for them. Get paid. Pay, pay your artists and pay your and artists. Paid. It's not I mean, hard. And I say that as a person who runs a theater company that only just was only just able to start paying our artists. But yeah. it was like the day that we shifted from just giving a little something when we had professional things, when we had outward facing work was the best. And I think that artists get to like, we just all deserve to be paid. Even if it's just like, here's your travel stipend or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, that's, I don't know. I, I feel like a working New York artist and I'm you excited are. about it. Um, but you 100% are. So yeah, it's, yeah. you know. So that's, that's, that's a little bit about me. Don't just take your taxable income that's as right. work, guys. Thanks. If it's, if it's under $600, they can't tax you anyway. So come on. Right. Like, think about all those projects where you're making less than $600, but you, because you worked for only one week. I'm just saying. Right. Um, well, Morgan, uh, you, why don't you talk? Oh, Megan's signing off, handing okay. it over to Morgan. Oh, I'm Morgan. Um, I am an, uh, primarily an actor and a playwright. I, just, I did this other podcast where, where like my co-person, like the person who was being interviewed with me introduced me as a dramaturg. And I was like, what, what, what? And I'll say sometimes dramaturg. Um, and so I, I was like, wow. I really, I had like a whole moment where I was like, wow, is that something I can do? I mean, I guess it's something I've done for them. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so I, um, I'm from California originally. I moved to New York at the tender age of 18 to go to Marymount Manhattan College and get a BFA in acting, which I did. Um, and then I graduated and was like, I need to take a break from that. Um, because it's just, I, it's just a lot. I think like all the things you go through in a training program at 18 are crazy. Um, and then like at 22, you're like, I'm not ready for life. And then I similarly to Megan was like, Oh, maybe I should get back out there. And I started auditioning and I was like, this is lonely and terrible. And I emailed my teacher um, my fourth year acting teacher was like, where should I take class in, I'm going to say years now in 2008. <laughs> and, um, she was like, she ticked off a bunch of, they're crazy now. This is <laughs> was like, I love that. I just gave her a New York accent and she was so British. Um, she was the most English lady. I think she grew up in like Shropshire or something. Ooh. She was very English. Anyway, she was like, Try the Terry Schreiber studio because she had directed a play um, for um, for the studio and I think taught one class there. And um, and so I was like, cool. Um, thank you. Thank you, Liz Swain. And uh, and so um, I like went and auditioned for Terry and ended up in a class where I met Maggie. Yeah, Morgan and I met at the Terry Schreiber we studio. We did meet at the Terry Schreiber studio. We did many a scene we together. We did many a scene together. And it was um, the best. So just like real, real shout out to the Terry Schreiber I studio. I know. They like, and um, yeah, and then I studied at the Terry Schreiber studio um, for, geez, until 2011, 2012. So like a solid four years there, which is where I met Megan and, and the, um, and my, I have these emails from Megan and Dave. Oh my gosh. Cause Dave was also, Dave is a shelter, was the executive director of the shelter for uh, many a year. Um, and, uh, and you know, lives in Dallas now and, and all kinds of other stuff, but Dave's great. Anyway, Dave. <laughs> Dave and Megan, I just have like countless emails from them inviting me to like in 2009 to like the shelter show. And I was like, what the, and I just didn't respond. I was like, I'm not going to that. Morgan played hard to get. Um, I just, I, I think I was busy and inviting me to the shelter. And I was like, I'm busy. I had a Sunday night commitment. I was, I, I'm oftentimes busy. Um, but I like, so then, and I like found them later, like the emails and was like, Oh man, I'm a jerk. But, um, but yeah, that was going on. And then I showed up in 2011 in the spring of 2011. I was just like, Hey, 
cool, I'll go to this thing. And then I started going to that thing. And, and uh, we were, Megan and I were already very, very, very good friends at that point. So um, that was kind of my entry point. And then, um, yeah, I, I, um, I wrote a play in college. It's technically my first play. It was about um, the water crisis in Africa. <laughs> oh, man. Wait um, a second. Yes. Was this... I auditioned for something when I no. first... Okay. No. This, no. Was like, this was done... No, This was in my capstone political theater class. But no, I... Um, yeah, I wrote that my first That would have been neat, though. I'm sort of sad that I know. I'm sorry. It yeah, because I, I feel like the first year or two in New York, like I distinctly remember an EPA about the water crisis no, I in wish Africa. That, I wish that had been my play. I was like very... I was like very like... Um, newsreel like uh oh uh you know wpa like oriented like weird like (laughs) um weird thing anyway so and then i put writing away for a long time and then um found it again in around like 2013 and um have uh really just haven't um you know haven't stopped writing um I've been fortunate to have like a couple commissions that have been helpful wait so you wrote the play in college and then then I just put that Mm -hmm. I put writing away and then I kind of picked up writing again in 2013 I did I've never I have not picked up that play I don't know where that play is it probably exists on some old Mac somewhere um (laughs) it's bad I'm sure um but I put writing away and then I was like oh Maybe I'll try writing again. There's this great um, Joan Didion has a has a Paris Review interview from 1976. That's pretty great, and she talks about um, she talks first in it about wanting to be an actor and then becoming a writer. That but because both impulses were performative, and I really responded to that. And then, and then she talks in the same article about inviting a woman to dinner. They were having like a dinner in their house in Hollywood, and um, and uh, she, uh, everybody else there was a writer, and she was an actor, and they were all talking, and she felt bad for her because she described it as what a terrible way to live. She had to wait for someone to ask her to be creative. And I thought, yes, what a terrible way to live, to wait to ask someone to be creative. And then I sat down and I wrote a 10 minute play. Um, and, uh, which turned into like a 17 minute play play should not be 17 minutes. Probably that's bad form on my part. Um, (laughs) Just, in, I mean, they can be, but it's really hard to make a 17 minute play work. Um, but the point is, um, I just want to say that for all the new writers out there, don't do it. Bad mistake on my part. Um, but, um, I think that, um, in the space of just like writing and then I started writing again and it really gave me an outlet to be creative on my own. And it was never like an impulse that I would get to do it as an actor that really doesn't super interest me often. Um, but, um, but it was that, Oh, I get to be creative, um, I'm on my own terms. And so I did. And then, um, rarely do I like to be mediocre at something. (laughs) 
rarely is middling like the joy of my life. <laughs> For some people it is, and that's actually fine. I'm not like, you can be passable at a skill and that's totally fine. Usually I start doing something and I'm like, oh, I need to be better, which like, hence my like, a ridiculous amount of stupid circus stuff each week. It's not, circus is great. Anyway, like the, it's like that impulse of like, well, it, I could get better. Yes. Um, and so then I just started trying to figure out how to get better at, um, at writing. I think, you know, acting is like a different beast altogether. I think getting better at acting is like a weird catch 22, and when the um, when the technique incorporates is when the technique incorporates. I think people for people it like there's something that you learned like 15 years ago that suddenly makes sense. And mm-hmm. then I know I was it. gonna say in order to get better at acting, you just have to get older. You just yeah. have to get older. It's like a weird, and you have to be like doing the work of like personhood. Mm-hmm. If you're like <laughs> so mean, I'm like if you're like a deeply stunted individual, like the acting will hit a point where it's just like, um, because like you really have to do the work of personhood and then you'll break beyond those walls. And, and yeah, I just don't like acting, whatever, but writing felt like it was a thing that like I could do actual work and get better at. Um, and like start to understand certain things about writing and some of it's intuitive and some of it's just like you look at the thing and you go, Oh, well this is how these things normally work. So chances are, uh, blah, 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 and like structure and whatnot. But I think that, um, yeah, I think I just set out to be better at it. And so I worked at it and then, um, some things came my way that helped me get better at it. Um, I think those, um, needing to write a play in 13 days is like a, a really great way to like (laughs) figure out, how to do certain things and to also not have time to indulge all of your, cause they're just problems that you have as a writer that you have to like, they're the same problems over and over again. And, and 13 days quickly helps you address them. And, and that was a helpful one. And then I had to adapt a research study recently and, um, to take what was somewhat dry in material and, um, and try to make it interesting, um, and to have it have conflict and drive was a, was a real, um, challenge to me. And I don't know how successful I was, um, for myself, like it's a fine play, but, um, you know, stuff like that has been, um, super helpful. And, you know, like there are certain institutions that have been, uh, supportive of the work in the last like couple of years. And those things have also been, immeasurably helpful. I think that, um, the Kennedy center has been generous with me and, uh, and, um, DVRF was very generous with me. And so, um, and that's like the pivot to like, and, and I'm bad at that as a, I hate submitting. Um, I rarely do it sometimes. And I do it with like, it's such a weird experience to submit writing for like learning how to write an artist statement, like trying to hone that craft, Mm -hmm. which is a separate thing. It's basically like grant writing. And, and I wrote grants for the shelter for a wee bit. So some of that 
is functional to me, but always, but also me understanding my own work and why I'm doing what I'm doing and how I'm doing it so that I can tell someone, you know, cause that's what they're looking for. That like what I say I'm trying to do in the work and where the problems are in the work and being able to accurately diagnose that is something people are definitively looking for when I, um, when you turn in that artist statement that goes along with your writing. And so like, that's all been hard. So I don't submit as often as, um, I should, but I think like, I don't do the work of that as often as I should, but I think like those spaces of like, you know, institutional backing, like sitting in a professional writers group this winter kind of like was a very shifting, um, was a very shifting thing for me as a person and has been super helpful. And again, I think it's just different than like acting. Cause you book, like you have like a major acting milestone and like one, you can't talk about it <laughs> to anybody, right? Like there's certain things like that in writing, but like you can't talk about it to anybody. And then you're just like in a trailer and someone's doing your makeup or something, or you're like, or you're just like going to rehearsal and like you talk about it maybe like a little bit on the internet. I don't know. I've also gotten bad about that. I hadn't updated my website since July and I was like, I had to put things on, like I retroactively put events on there. Cause it's like, I look like I've did nothing this fall. And I was like, I didn't do win things. Um, but you have to like, you either can't talk about it or you're so busy that you get like wrapped up in the thing. You, or yeah, like, you either can't talk about it or you can't talk about it. Or you can't. Yeah. Right. Or you don't have time to talk yeah. about it. And that's the like weird thing with all of this stuff. And I feel like social media is like such a weird trap where I'm like, wait, how'd you have time to make all those Instagram stories while you're like, I just oh like, gosh, what? I while you're in rehearsal. Cause I never have time like that when I'm in rehearsal, but I think that there's on either side of the thing. I mean, it's a, it's a weird, um, it's a weird beast. And I think like, so like the acting stuff, like it just kind of like what has been like milestones lately like you either can't like either I'm like oh I'm not released to say things about that yet or like it's it's just like oh that was fun and now it's done and like by the time it was done I didn't have I had no time to talk about it and I feel like with the writing sometimes there's a little more time to like and it's clear like how the things are helping me. Mm-hmm. Like it's clear. I can like see like in the sense of like how they're helping the craft at this point as like early career or emerge. I don't know what those things mean. Um, they mean things to people who accept applications and want to give you money. So I kind of know what they mean, but they don't mean much to like your actual working life. Um, but uh, well, I think acting is strange, ver- like in, uh, like kind of the whole question yeah. of like, you know, what it means to be a professional and the milestones in acting. You're in so that, weird. I feel like um, there are milestones that happen, but like a lot of times, things aren't what you think. Yeah. So yeah. like, you're like, oh, if I get this role, everything's gonna change. No. And then it doesn't, but then sometimes you'll all of a sudden get an opportunity mm-hmm. that kind of came from something that wasn't a big deal yeah, at the time. Right. And yeah, yeah, and it's like, and then 
you know, maybe 10 years later yeah. or five years later, you can look back and you can connect the dots later, yeah. but it's at so the time weird. that you can't really measure it right. or well, explain it. Well, you don't know it. what's going to happen when you plant a seed. And yeah. You don't know if that flower is going to grow and become a beautiful sunflower. You don't know if it's just going to kind of like yeah. germinate and then die. Get you know, how fertile weeds? is your soil? <laughs> right. Did someone come along or and if spray it's a bunch hibernate of Roundup? Yeah. Right. For like right. 10 years. Yeah. And right. Then you know, so I maybe there's cicadas. I think you know? that's why like, you're saying yes to things is really inspiring. It inspired me, and I said yes to some things this year that I might not have because I think that you just really, especially when you're an artist, you just really don't know. Yeah. You don't know because you don't, also don't know what is going to happen to the people that you're working with in three days. Oh. You know, I know definitely that I have met people a long time ago where only now I have the opportunity to cast something, and I am now like, I get to call that person yeah. that I met yeah. five years ago, and I can now call them in for something. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's the best. Or, you yeah. know, I mean, you just, so it's kind of important to say yes, even to those things where you're like, what did I do? Or it's like, you don't, or it's just like not anything else. Anyone would term a success. Like, right. like I, you know, you don't book something. Like I, I didn't book a thing with like a major regional theater company this fall, but like, I got in the room and we had a great experience together and I, that's, sorry, I hit the microphone. Um, that is like, that's exciting to me. That's probably one of the more exciting things that happened to me, uh, this, like, you know, in the last like six months. And I think like that, like, that means nothing. Like, you know, that means nothing to someone who's going to be like, oh, well, what have you been working on? Right, you know, right. like that f- friend at home that's like, you know, and you want to do it for people like, like, you know, I was in a, um, I was in a horror film and Lord, <laughs> that's exciting for my parents, right? Because they get to tell their friends to buy the horror film that I'm in on Amazon. <laughs> and that like, that's the people that stuff's exciting for. I mean, it's exciting for, but like, it, it means like my parents can be, who've like also given so much to this career. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's like, that's there, you know, like it's like raising a child who wants to do this and then kind of being like, who, what kind of advice do we give? How do we assist? Like all of that kind of stuff. Cause you, cause it's rough, but it's exciting for them to be able to do that. And like, I like, I was like, you know, and, and my parents love that horror. F- I will say what's so funny is my parents like watched the horror film, did not talk to me about it for three weeks. Not because like, because I guess I had called them and I had like started talking about something else and they just were like, well, she wants to talk about that. So whatever. So then three weeks later they were like, oh, we watched it. And I was like, did you want to say that? They were like, well, you wanted to talk about something else. I was like, did you not like it? They were like, no, we loved it. And I was like, you guys are insane. I was like, so you waited three weeks to tell me? But those are the people that's exciting for. Like, it's super, I mean, again, it's exciting for me. But, like, the other thing was also, like, super exciting to me, which means nothing to my mom or right. dad. Right, right. You can't put, like, I had a great audition at this huge regional theater on your resume. No, you can't. Casting but, director number X really likes, likes, likes me. me. <laughs> Can I put that on my resume? resume and it's like it means nothing to but it's like a relationship to me it's exciting it's a place that I think it's exciting and can do work it's doing amazing work and so you have and it also like you know I remember 
someone one time was like, and this is the also the catch twenty two of being a writer. Someone was like, "No, you should put your writing there, not your acting. Like you should like at especially at this place. They're like they shouldn't know you as an actor. They should know you as a writer." And I was like, "What if I want them to know me as both? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what if I get in the door first as an actor?" And it was so like, and there are people right who like acting is like a taste thing, right? Like there are people who like as is writing in in some respects, it's subjective taste. Like there's, there are actors who like, I'm like, you are technically proficient and that is so great. And I can see that you don't always produce empathy in me. And so like, it's a taste thing. And so I assume I am that for other people, but also at the same time, um, I was like, Oh, so this person like thinks that my writing, my writing is the thing that produces empathy in them. Yeah. But they also don't get to make that choice for me. Right. And so it was a funny moment too, of just being like, Oh yeah, I remember that thing that was said to me and look at what different is what the different Mm -hmm. thing that is happening. Like the foot that I have in the door is a different foot and I'm actually okay with that. You know, Mm -hmm. like it takes many twists and turns and the way that we think it's going to happen is maybe not how it happens. And as a multidisciplinary artist, that's often scary because like you can want to work in multiple ways and people can only see you in one way. But like eventually they start to see you as both. And I think you just kind of have to like let that be what it is. And also maybe not listen to people who are like, no, get this thing in there first. And it's like, you just like that thing more than the other thing. And maybe they'll like this thing more than the other thing. Thing. I don't know, you know, that, uh, that's something I've found like stubborn, um, stubborn Alec, uh, like going back to like high school even. And then from then and probably younger, but I remember it kind of starting in high school of like doing a musical and then talking about acting and then somebody saying, well, you're more of like a singer and a dancer. And I'm like, Oh, since you say that, <laughs> like I'm going to focus on yeah. acting and then kind of going through that. And then I think, I do think one thing I think about New York to me, kind of my thesis on New York versus LA for actors yeah. and artists is people say it different ways, but like some people say, come to New York, kind of make it here and then go to LA to like, blow up like that's one way people they say it different ways um what i kind of feel is new york is a it's a hard place (laughs) um but as an artist i think it's a great place to come if you have a calling to be an artist and maybe Mm -hmm. different things are calling you i think it's a great place to kind of discover your voice yeah um and become the yeah. artist that you want to be. Um, and then the LA, that, that whole thing is, that's not even the same thing anymore. Um, yeah. And so I think like for me, like this next year, kind of thinking of like 2019, something I've been thinking about lately is, oh, I wanted to give a shout out real quick to young storytellers actually. Yeah. Um, Speaking of LA. Yeah. New York. Um, because when you, Megan, asked me, you know, to be one of the mentors this year, it was most of the year, there's like this period, you know, in every year, sometimes you kind of, there are times when you do kind of know that you're 
in a transformative yeah. time. Yeah. Like you're having a good, you know, you're in kind of a high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was like doing a couple of things and then that came to an end and I knew that the things that I was doing were going to be things that I was going to carry forward yeah. um, forever. But anytime like a show ends, I think, you know, you get used to it. So it's yeah. not the same now, but, but I kind of had the old feeling of like, after a show ends that you like love to roll, you know, in particular, and then it comes to an end and you're kind of back to your self. Yeah. Yeah. I always Um, feel like I'm never going to work again. Yeah. That, that like, um, and just all of those feelings. And I felt like I didn't have enough on my plate and just, I just felt like something was missing. And so, um, getting the opportunity to be a mentor, and mm-hmm. show up like in service yeah. for kids. It was yeah. like a great thing. Um, the thing does happen though that um, after taking that, just I kind of did find myself more busy than I thought I would be. And it wasn't like yeah, on yeah. a particular project, but um, yeah, like the the year I guess was like busy. It was work. There was ups and downs, like mm-hmm. there always are. Um, but kind of this year in particular was very like mindset focused for me and kind of now this year's coming to a close and like the podcast shelter, I kind of know where my heart is and where my focus is. And so for me, 2020 I've decided is going to be the year of meshing. So trying to put some things together, um, keep honing the things, Mm -hmm. keep getting stronger. Um, but figuring out how to put the pieces to get gather a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wanted to ask you to kind of, um, I think you both have had transformative years and with the end of the, you know, the 10 year cycle of mm-hmm. shelter and yeah, just curious to see, you know, I know it's an arbitrary thing, the 2020, <sighs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think it's an opportunity to look yeah. forward. Um, while taking stock of what's behind. So what are you thinking? Um, you know, I'm putting you on the spot here, but like just, you know, if you want to, uh, set an intention for the, for the new year and talk about it a little bit. That's, that's neat. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to let you do that. This is Megan. (laughs) Megan's talking now. Um, you know, it's an interesting question and I, I don't know how people in general feel about new years. I, um, tend to get a little wistful and melancholy mm-hmm. during the holidays. Um, and then especially moving into a new year, whether it's been a great year and mm-hmm. I'm sort of excited to move into the next year and I feel very galvanized or it's been kind of a shitty year and I feel a little depressed and I'm like, Oh God, what's the next year going to be? Um, and, uh, you know, and I do like to take stock. I'm not, I'm not a super resolution person. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think I, I come out like, hard with a new diet or a new exercise plan. Maybe I want to. And in my mind, I'm like, I wish I was one of those people that was like, I'm going to lift weights this year. Or like, I don't know. Um, really actually be vegan. I don't know. Um, um, but <laughs> I, um, I do like the new year, whether or not I feel kind of sad about it or excited about it. And I, I'm excited to get out of this year. 2019 has been a weird year. I think people talk about it a lot. 2019 has been like a weird year, you know, it's been like, ugh, um, a little bit. Um, 
but I feel like in 2020, I'm going to grow up a little, Oh. which is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm live your life. Like you don't have to say it. I know. I know. I was like, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm an older human <laughs> and I feel grown up. You know, I mean, I feel like ugh, yeah. I have a child. Mm-hmm. I have a family. I have a husband. You know, I, we have cats. Um, and all of that's really, really great. And in that regard, I feel really grown up. Um, but now my kid is three and I feel like I can let her go a lot more. You know, she's really living her own life uh, in so many beautiful ways. And so I think in 2020, I'm going to reclaim Megan and see Ooh. what's living in there. I yeah. Like and I'm going to going to grow up again, yeah. you know, and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Oh man. I think 2019, I called it my year of loose ends. It's like, I just need to tie up all the loose ends. <laughs> it's like literally, um, especially, uh, uh, kind of like moving from like May through, like I knew May through the fall was just going to be like me tying up all my loose ends. Um, I was like tying up like relational loose ends. I was tying up professional loose ends. I was finishing projects, um, that were more long-term. Um, and it was sort of just like bringing to a close, like things that like, and I like to end well, sort of like, uh, a thing about life. Like you should learn to do endings well, if you're, and, and by ending well, I don't mean like your level of acceptance, like any, like endings are hard, like acceptance can help you. It can also not for a season. And also like some endings, like there are things you don't need to accept for a little bit, like don't accept bullshit in your life. Um, but at the same time, you, if you're initiating endings, if you're doing an ending, if you are bringing the end the close to a thing. That's what I'm talking about. Do that well. I think that's important to me is to do that well for myself, that I would end things well, that the people that I, if I, if it's a relational ending, like a professional relational ending, as much as I can make it, I would like the people that I interact with to be better for the fact that I was there. And so, and that when I'm leaving that, um, that they would feel like I left because it was good to leave. Um, and it was like good for me to leave and good for them to leave. And I mean, I feel like adult life is mostly just figuring out how to do endings well. Um, and I've done endings poorly. That's, that's so true. And so I think in this, um, in this season, um, I just had a lot of things that like a lot of personal stuff, like a 12, like, you know, like commitments that I had had for 10 years that I was closing out that weren't the shelter, um, and just other stuff and just really wanting to figure out how to end them well and how to like, you know, like how to love the people that I love in the midst of that. And, um, and to, you know, come out on the other side of whatever season that is. So I just don't know what, 2020 holds I just said I need to start saying no to stuff because <laughs> I'm tired so Morgan's living like the opposite of you this is I, the year of Morgan saying I no. said yes to I've just said yes to a lot of stuff and in that 
uh, and I try to say in the, in the saying, yes, I have a lot of boundaries. Like everyone keeps talking to me about how, like, it's like, I just have a lot of professional boundaries, honestly. So like rehearsal time, like you just, it's like I'm there when I'm there. And if I can't be there, I 100% can't be there. Cause like, you got to pay me money, money to be there. Um, a lot. Uh, because again, I like have, uh, I'm a grown up with like responsibilities and stuff. And so like, I like, I compared dental plans a couple of weeks ago. Cause I gotta like, you know, like, that is grown up. <laughs> so grown up. I like, I, I bought insurance guys based off of whether or not they would accept my circus working out as a gym reimbursement. Mm. Uh-huh, which I did. Um, but also, like, you know, so, like, all of these things that you suddenly start thinking about. So I don't know. I'm going to start saying no to things. That's smart. I think, listen, it's, I'm, I am a, okay, there are ways in which I am very smart. There are ways in which I am dumb. And I am trying to get so much better in my life about the ways in which I am dumb. And that was one of them. I was like, I'm not spending all this money. I need to get mm-hmm. reimbursed. What yeah. the heck? Um, so, like, you know, there's that thought process. But I think wanting 2020 to just, like, I don't feel like I have to tie up loose ends anymore. So, like, who knows what it could be? Like, the possibilities are, like sort of, um, endless, it feels like. And I knew, I knew 2019 was going to be about, um, uh, tying up loose ends because at the end of 2018, I went to a cabin with a dear friend of mine and we, and this was primarily for me, I wrote every lie that anyone ever told me in 2018 about myself. Hmm. And about who I was in the world. And I burned it. And I mean, I verbatim wrote them. And I burned every single piece of paper. And probably the most, like, damaging lie to me. Like, um, the one that I was like, oh, that's a really damaging one. It just, I don't even know what it was. But it, like, (laughs) when it, like, lit up like a Christmas tree. It burned, like... It burned like you wouldn't believe, like, because it was straight from the pit of hell. Um, I earnestly believe that. It was a lie straight from the pit of hell set to, like, destroy parts of me that, and that's sad that that was the case. But at the end of the day, like, I think, like, that ritual and just, like, I, like, you know, prayed and did all of these things while that was happening, I think really set me on the course to, like, tie up kind of, like, spaces in which some of those lies I come from and all that kind of other stuff. And so like, I now just am really free. And so I think like 2020, yeah, it was like, I'm just really free to do the things that I need to do. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, if lies have entered your life straight from the pit of hell, I say burn them, burn them on December 31st in 2019, burn them. Like you don't need that. And I think that like that really tying up those loose ends and doing these endings well and and being doing that work for myself, coupled with kind of like what I needed to do has really like set me free in order to really just like live the life that I want to live. And so it's been really nice. But yeah. Nice. Um, 
where's the best place for people to follow what you're up to? Um, either of you. Uh, for me, it's probably other people's Facebook and Instagram with whom I hang out with. <laughs> That's probably true. So, um, so also shelter, I guess. Right. Follow the shelter. shelter. <laughs> Go like find me, Megan Jones, on Facebook. Look who my friends are and follow them on Facebook. You could also just follow the shelter on Instagram. Right. Follow the shelter on Instagram. Um, and right. I, I don't really do the social media situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am present in terms of like an avatar is there, but my soul is not. Um, so if you want to know what I'm up to, send out a smoke signal and I'll see it. Do you have a website? And I'll come call. No, no, I'm a ghost, Alec. Nice. You can't find me on the internet. No, you totally can. You could Google me and it'd be like, Oh, that's her. Um, what, what did you want to say about me? I was going to say it. So 2020 is the, is the app. Girl, we go. Is twenty twenty the year I have to get on the internet? I think twenty twenty oh, may God. be the year that you get on the internet. However, you get on the internet. All right. You don't have to be super on the internet, yeah. but I'm just saying it could be about. It could be a part of that other thing that's happening. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, I have some projects in the work that are super exciting. So, like, um, I can't talk about them. <laughs> um, see, <laughs> but they'll they'll be on the internet, and uh, it will be thrilling for people. I think. Um, so, uh, so in 2020, I guess if people want to find out what I'm up to, um, keep your eyes on the internet and I will, I will appear. She will. (laughs) In some form. (laughs) That's right. I do think like social media, um, the people that are really good at it, like there's a, there's a craft. I don't know. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, I'm so envious of people who are good at it. I just am not. But I feel like also though, there's a danger, like as an actor or a writer, there's like a validity and a possible detriment. Mm -hmm. Um, Some, but some people I think just naturally, right. Some people are suited to, you know, everybody's different. Right. Um, yeah, Yeah. Cause I, I struggle with that. I don't like it. Right, right, yeah. I don't like having to, but then you want people to know, you want to yeah. build an audience, I don't know. But you know, when I'm on there, like I'm a liker, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I do. I just go into Facebook and Instagram and I like things because I like people and I like, <laughs> I do, I, I no. look at people and I'm like, I'm so excited for their lives and I'm so excited to push the mm. heart or the thumb or the smiley face or the sad face if I need to because something happened to your cat or whatever. Um, you know, like I'm here for all the other people on the internet and I'm very impressed that people can be there and have that skill. And I am, I, I just haven't found a way to cultivate it for myself yet, but maybe a website's the answer. Maybe, uh, you know what? I'm, in 2020, I'm going to have a website. Yeah. So why? if you want to find me on the internet in 2020, go to my website. It's dot <laughs> com. And while you're there, you'll learn all about me and the cool things that I'm doing. See. Website's the way to go. I can do a website. I can commit to a website, y'all. Yeah. I don't put, I like, I feel like I got chastised kindly by a friend who saw a film I was in at the Adirondack Film Festival and was like, I didn't know you were in this. Why isn't this all over social media? I was like, isn't it? Didn't I put, I don't know. I don't have, I was like, he's like, you put up like, and I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I went to, I went on a bike ride to at Rockaway 
And I put that up with a fairy boat with human. Put that up. You know what I mean? Like, I just am like, oh, it was pretty. Let me take a photo of it. So, like, my Instagram is not, if you want to just know, like, what I'm doing, um, pro- usually not who I'm doing it with, <laughs> um, but what I'm doing. Um, there's Ms. Morgan M. If you like a bad haiku, I went on like a bad haiku journey. Some of them are good. Some of them you know, are Morgan bad. says she went on a bad haiku journey, but they're beautiful haikus. Yeah, I just started writing haiku because like writing was connected to making money and it became like hard to write and writing used to be like a hobby-ish. So then it was like weird. And so I just started writing poems because no one was ever going to pay me to write poems. And then um, <laughs> that might shift. So there's like, there's all this stuff. So like you can follow at MamWrites as well. Um, I'm on the internet at MorganAMcGuire.com. Twitter is like the space where I just go to like view and like things. I don't post that often, yeah. but I love Twitter. Um, and so I do that sometimes if you want like news about what I'm doing. And I feel like all the things will be on my website soon. I'm in a play, um, that's at the target margin doxies. I don't know, theater, whatever that one is. Um, January and February, it's called Bloodshot, the Underlords, which mm. is Drew and Ellie Vanderberg, are um, are the creative team behind that, and it's super cool. People are exploding, um, and so and it's a noir, so mm. I'm playing a detective. Nice, um, you know, and it's cool. It's a cool world. Um, I don't think there are too many spoilers because people explode pretty readily on in the first like scene or something so um but yeah that should be fun and that's the next thing and then there should be some television later in the year and um that will be on my website supposedly um you know anyway um but yeah it's all fun and like maybe there's some like writing happening somewhere that isn't here I don't know there are things and they will hopefully happen um you get to that place where you're like can I talk about anything that's I know I don't even know what I'm no I don't even know you know I do know that um I just wrapped shooting the female genius yes third productions and that's super exciting um I was I I was gonna ask you about that but I wasn't sure yeah I'm gonna talk about it um because you know uh Cam Bossert Mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, doing Third Wing, and it's a great bridge between Super cool. streaming video and theater, and we just shot a streaming series called The Female Genius, written by Rachel Carey, directed by Cam, and it's all about uh, female writers in throughout history and sort of the sexism and h- hard times they faced as being writers who identify as women. Um, and... Uh, I got to play J.K. Rowling and Alice nice. B. Toklas, and it was amazing. Um, and uh, that should stream in the new year, and then we're doing a live production of it in April. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't checked out Third Wing's website, like really do it. So Give great. them money. Help them out. They are doing some just really innovative stuff with film and theater. And uh, it was... Maybe I'll also link 
the Indiegogo in yeah, the show notes for this yeah. since it's yeah uh, I think it's still live fellow you know yeah. collaborator yeah, yeah Cam Bossert also we yeah. met through the shelter yeah. Cam came to the shelter so you know check out the shelter a lot too and if you're an artist who is looking for a place to work we'll be back yeah. in February and you can go to www.theshelternyc.org and look at a lovely website uh, or so follow us on Instagram or Facebook, Facebook. or Twitter. I think we've got all those things, kind of ish. We have all those things, right? We've got all I don't those think things. We post on that Twitter, um, right? Whatever. We're gonna whatever. start. We're gonna start. Um, you also, if you're a minor philanthropist, ooh yeah, you can also donate to the shelter, right? At theshelternyc.org. And by minor philanthropist, I consider everyone a minor philanthropist very nice ten dollars helps right five dollars helps twenty five dollars helps whatever you got it's the end of the year it's yeah. the end of the year and everybody needs money right 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 keep the lights on right. everywhere friends right. and let's keep making making art yeah making oh. theater so come to the shelter in the new yeah. year come in february work on your writing work on your acting sing a song whatever but um come yeah totally and, and be one of us. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Would you remember um, like the little like uh, Toy Story like one of us? Yes, aliens. exactly. The little yeah. aliens. I could see us. Yeah, right. I, know. I mean, it is a great place. Oh. Right. It's a great place. It's great. Come to the shelter. Come uh, check yeah. it out. <laughs> um, so I think that's a good place that's to put a, a pen in it. Unless yeah. you have any final things you want to, any parting words. No. No, I wish I was like that wise to have parting words but burn it down if you need to that's right burn if they it. lied to you just burn it down <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much for sitting yeah. down talking with me uh it's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to have this conversation and to be able to uh you know witness and participate in the work that the two of you do likewise yeah. Alec. Likewise, thank Alec. you thanks for having me thank you So that was my conversation with Megan Jones and Morgan McGuire. Um, I didn't say it in the intro, but, well, I mentioned that I've been a part of that community for the last couple of years, but I just got to say that community has been clutch for me these past few weeks being on quarantine. I'm so grateful to have that community there, and I'm so grateful that we are all doing things together still through this. So please... Um, if you want to get involved, if you want to support the shelter, please check the show notes. Go to the shelter theater, theshelternyc.org. If you'd like to leave a donation, um, that would be super appreciated. But there's so many things that they're doing. There's the Lear Project, which is a 10-week project taking different playwrights. I was lucky enough to be chosen for that, so I'm working on a play, writing a play, that is. Um, they're doing a regular monologue jam. And there's the virtual Sunday workshop. So a lot of different things you could do to get involved if you want to. And it's just been a great community. So I highly recommend it. I can't speak highly enough about it. Um, I love the shelter. I love them. And I love you. So thank you for listening. Keep going on. Stay healthy if possible. Um, and stay mentally healthy. And reach out if you need to. Take care. Share your art with the world, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.